0: been talking about relationships that are characterized by bad blood and I think we probably all know what it's like to have a relationship that's characterized by bad blood uh, it might be a relationship with a co-worker maybe it's your mother-in-law um, maybe it's a relationship with it with an ex-spouse you know but there's just a relationship that we all have probably somewhere in our lives that is that at some point or another has been characterized by bad blood and the goal of this series is to to help us to, to have peace about those relationships. E- even if there's never peace in the relationship, to be able to have peace about those relationships. Now, I think it's obvious, or at least I hope that it's obvious, that the goal is peace in all of our relationships. And as we talked last week, we said the first step that you take if, if there's a relationship that you have that's characterized by, by bad blood is that, that you go. You, you go. If you've been wronged, you go. And and you um, and you you repent, or you ask you ask for forgiveness. And if you've wronged, you go and you repent. But no matter how badly you might want that relationship to be reconciled, to to have peace in that relationship, the fact is is that there might just that it might just not ever happen. There are some relationships that that no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, those relationships are never going to be fully restored. So what do you do when, when you want to find peace about a relationship, when you can't find peace in the relationship? Again, because the unfortunate truth is reconciliation may never take place. But that doesn't mean, again, that you can't have peace about the relationship. Reconciliation just means that it might look different. It might mean that, hey, we're not going to do business together anymore. We're not going to be business partners. We're not, we're not going to uh, be in that relationship together any longer. But but peace about the relationship is still possible. The challenge though is what if I continually feel like I need to go further and more depends on me. Remember what we said at the very beginning of this of this series the very first week we talked about what the Apostle Paul said and he said as far as it depends on You, right, as far as it depends on me. So so maybe I feel like more depends on me. And and the more that I take that long walk around, that walk of of empathy, the the more I feel like the further that person moves away from me. And so I think a challenging question as we get to the end of the series is, and, and maybe this is the category that you find your relationship that's characterized by bad blood in, is how long does it depend on me? How long does, does this depend on me? How long do I need to continue to extend myself? How long do I need to show grace? And how long do I need to show mercy? And how long should I, should I forgive? And should I try and reconcile and have a conversation? How long? Because every time I reach my hand out, it just feels like it gets bit. And you, know, you just kind of feel like you're dealing with someone who, who just refuses to play along. That's a challenge. That's a difficult spot to be in. That, that's not a relationship that, that anybody wants to have. Another way to ask this might be this. When does my continued extension of assistance become irresponsible? When is it just a waste of my time? When, when is it actually a bad idea for me to continue to try and reconcile, for me to continue to reach out and, and offer help, for me to continue to do all the things that I, I think that I'm supposed to do? When is it a bad idea? When is it you know, irresponsible for me to just continue to feel like a doormat? To continue to be delusional about the thought that this is ever going to reconcile. Because, you know, he continues just to make awful decisions. Or because she continues to just say hurtful things. At what point do I say, enough is enough. This is irresponsible on my part. And look, this is especially challenging when we're talking about bad blood relationships with a toxic person. Uh, with, with someone that you would just say is dangerous, they're, they're not healthy, they're, you know, they're not in a, in a stable spot. And because of that, there's just collateral damage for, for me and, and, and them and just all the people around, right? This is, this is a tough situation. And I want to just preface the rest of the sermon by saying this, is that the things that I'm about to say are all in the context of, we're talking about relationships that are characterized by bad blood. Because in a, in a few minutes, I'm going to say something and you're going to think, that doesn't sound very loving. That doesn't sound very Christ-like. And, and I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, okay? So I just want to prepare you for that to begin with. That we're talking about this in the context of, of relationships that are characterized by bad blood. And, and the Bible actually mentions these type of people. These, these people that are just toxic, that aren't healthy, that aren't stable, that, that just cause collateral damage for everybody around them. The Bible calls them fools, and I know that sounds harsh, especially because a lot of these relationships are with people that we love and and you you would might you might even say we're just having a hard time reconciling because because he or she is just making foolish decisions or 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 he's behaving like a fool. Fools or foolish people in our case for today are are people who continually behave in a way that hurts themselves or others. That's what a fool is a, a person that continually behaves in a way that hurts themselves or hurts others. Do you know anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand. There's, there's, they're just a tox, toxic people and their toxicity is causing collateral damage not just in their life but in your life as well. A, a fool is someone who doesn't take ownership for, for their side. They, they refuse to take responsibility for what is theirs to own. Foolish people don't change the, the, way, you know, the way they live. They don't change their own behavior. Instead, they want reality to change to meet, uh, to meet their, the way they want to live. They, they don't want to change their behavior to accommodate the way that they actually need to live. They just want everybody else around them to change so that they can keep doing what they've always done. You ever met someone like that? Are you in a relationship, a challenging relationship with, with bad blood with someone like that? What do you do? Well, King Solomon, who wrote much of the wisdom literature that we find in the Bible, he said it this way in a very profound way, but also a very disgusting way. He said this, he said, as a dog returns to its vomit. You you ever seen a dog go back to its vomit? It's kind of a disturbing image, isn't it? And and look, I love dogs. I love my dog. um, But what's even more disturbing to this about me is dog owners who will kiss their dogs on the mouth. I mean, like, because do you not realize that this is the same creature that, if given the opportunity, will go back and eat his own vomit, right? That's, like, who, who, who does that? Like, but I know there are people out there that do, maybe even sitting in here this morning. Anyway, he says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Fools are just people that continue to do the same thing. Over and over and over again. Even if it's hurtful to other people or to themselves. It it doesn't seem to matter. They'll continue to make the same terrible decisions. The same hurtful behaviors. The the same awful and erratic and irresponsible decisions. That that hurt you or or, or hurt themselves. And will continue to hurt you if you continue to extend yourself. So when is enough enough? At what point do you establish a boundary? That's the term we're going to use today to talk about that line that is very helpful to draw. When, when it's you and, and someone that you're in a relationship with, and, and, and sometimes these are people that you can't choose to not be in a relationship with. If it were anybody else, you would have cut bait and you'd have said that's it, but, but these are people that, you know, maybe they're your siblings. You're going to see them at Thanksgiving and at Christmas, or maybe it's a parent, or maybe it's a niece or a nephew. It's, it's somebody that you can't avoid being in a relationship with. And like I said, if it were anybody else, you'd say, that's it, I'm cutting you off. But because, it's, because it is who it is, you just think, at what point is it necessary for me to draw a boundary? When a fool's irresponsibility is creating collateral damage in both their life and your life, you need to create a boundary. When a fool is putting you into harm's way, you need to create a boundary. Boundaries are the demarcation. They're, they're the line that delineates what depends on you. Because there's something that depends on me, right? Paul said, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, there is something there that depends on me. And the boundary, is, it establishes that. It establishes what depends on me. This is what depends on me. Everything on this side, this is me. This is what depends on me, but this is where I end. And this, on the other side of that boundary, this is you. This is what you're responsible for. In other words, a boundary allows us to understand what it is that we're responsible for. What I am responsible for in the relationship. And what that other person is responsible for in the relationship. What you are responsible for in your relationship. And what the person you're in a relationship with is responsible for. And this is the only way that sometimes you can have peace about those relationships. Today in, in our time left, I, I want to give you some principles and thoughts that Paul, the, the same guy who wrote, if, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The same guy who wrote that, I want to tell you a couple of things that, he, that he's told us about how we know what it is that depends on us. What, what depends on me and, and what depends on you. Over in Galatians chapter 6, that's, it's in the New Testament, it's another letter that Paul wrote to, uh, to one of the churches, and he says this in, in chapter 6, he starts in verse 2, he says, Carry each other's burdens, which is great. That's a great thing. It's a very helpful thing, right? And in fact, he says this, it's such a good thing, that when you carry each other's burdens, you will actually fulfill the law of Christ. This is just an extension of what Jesus had already said. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if, you, if you're not a Christian... then then this is optional. Like this is, you know, I'll take it or I won't take it. But if you're a Christian, then this is non-negotiable. This is a requirement. This is the assignment. You are required to, to carry each other's burdens. Well, what's a burden? A burden is just anything of excess. Anything that is too big for one person to carry alone. We are responsible to help bear any burden... That has become too big for someone else. We are responsible too to bear the burden that has become too big for someone else to bear alone. And then Paul, after he says this, he's going to tell us wh- while we're carrying, while we're helping out, while we're, while we're carrying that burden for that person, he's going to tell us what our posture should be. How we ought to think, what our, what our mindset should be as we're trying to think through and help uh, somebody through carrying the burden that's been given to them. Verse 3 says this, he says, if anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Read that again. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. You ever met anybody who thinks that they're something, but they're really not? They just think they're all hot stuff, and you're like, nope, not you, right? Anybody ever uh, ever met someone like that? Anybody ever been guilty of thinking that you were something when, when you were not? Yeah, don't, don't raise your hand, it's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, all of us do that from time to time. In fact, it's just part of the egocentric world that we live in. I mean, because in everybody's life, if, if if everybody's life was a play, you play the lead role, right? In that play, it doesn't matter whose life it is; you always play the lead role. Um, in, in your mind, you think I'm, I'm the star of the show because I'm me, right? It, at least that's the way it works in my life. You know, in in my world, in my head, in my mind, I am I am me. The world revolves around me. My world revolves around me. And and Paul's just saying. Hey, I'm just letting you know, if you think you're something when you're not, you trick yourself. You trick yourself. And I think he's saying this because our temptation is to see when someone else has a burden that has popped up in their life, is to look at them and go, man, what is your problem? Like, how did you even find yourself in this situation? How did you even get there? I would never let myself get in that situation. And And the two dangerous parts about that are this, number one, that's not a great perspective to try and help somebody from. Nobody likes to be helped by, from someone who thinks, who thinks Ha, you're, you're beneath me. You're a fool. I, would, I, I can't even imagine how you got yourself into this situation. That would never happen to me. Nobody ever wants to be helped by someone who thinks that about them. And then secondly, I think he's telling us to, to tell us this, that, hey, you're not immune to this. You're not immune to what, what has happened to them. Maybe there's a burden that has popped up in their life, and maybe it's their own doing. But maybe it's not. And Paul Paul is saying, hey, don't get too big for your britches because the same thing that has happened to them could very well happen to you. So as you try to help someone, remember, don't think you're something when you're not. Because when you do that, you're actually just deceiving yourself. And then Paul introduces this idea of personal responsibility. So he says this, he says, Each one should test their own actions. My temptation is to pick up the magnifying glass or or maybe in some cases the binoculars and, and try to find everything wrong with your life. But Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. Instead, you need to pick up the mirror and you need to look at your own life. You need to examine your own life so that you can ask the question, am I doing what I need to be doing? But before I go and try and help somebody else carry their burden, am I carrying for myself what I need to carry? Because I should not ask you to carry something that I'm not carrying myself. I shouldn't ask you to carry something that I'm not going to carry myself. And you shouldn't do that either. And so he says, examine your own actions. Because he says, there's something good that will, that will happen from this. He says this, he says, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. When, when everybody examines their own actions, they can take pride in themselves knowing, without having to compare themselves. And this is not a sinful kind of pride. This is the good kind of pride. This is the kind of pride that you get you know, when you, you graduate high school or you graduate college and you get that diploma and you're like, yeah, I did it. Or you know, you, you're training for, for something. You run a race and, and you complete the race. and you're, you know, There's just that pride, of, a sense of accomplishment that, yeah, you've done something that you were supposed to do. You, 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 it, it feels good to carry what you're supposed to carry. And so Paul says that, but then he says something that's very tricky. And actually, it almost seems kind of contradictory to what he had just said a few moments ago. Because in verse 5, he says, For each one should carry their own load. What? Wait a minute, Paul. Didn't you just say a minute ago that we should carry each other's burdens? I should carry someone else's burdens, but now you're saying everybody should carry their own load? Well, our load in this case is just whatever it is that's been given to us to carry. An example of this would, would be your feelings, right? No one is responsible for your feelings but you. Um, your attitude. No one can change your attitude but you. You are responsible for that. Some of you think that sounds familiar. This is what I tell my kids every day, right? It's, it's the same speech. Your, your behaviors. No one can change your behaviors but, but you. The, the responsibilities that God has entrusted you to, no one can carry those but you. That's your load. And so we've got these two seemingly contradictory phrases, he, he makes, he says, carry each other's burden. Okay, how am I supposed to carry their burden? A burden's kind of like a piece of furniture, like, like a couch or, or, in this case, a chase lounge. I shouldn't carry this alone, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense for me to carry. I mean, I can get under it, and I can pick it up, and I can, you know, do all that stuff. I just think I pulled something in my back. Um, that's what happens when you get old. Uh, I can... I could move this by myself if I wanted to, but I couldn't do it very effectively. I, I can't move this and get to where I want to go very quickly, very easily by myself. I shouldn't carry this by myself. That's kind of what a burden is like. A burden might be you know, someone lost their job. A burden might be somebody got sick. A burden might be somebody left. Somebody just left the relationship and, and now that person is stuck just left holding everything. A burden is anything that's too big for them to carry on their own, that's outside of the normal things that life brings. A burden is is something that was never intended to be carried on your own. And so Paul says, carry each other's burdens. But then he says each one should carry their own load. And this isn't actually a contradiction because he uses a different word here. He uses the word load. Bur- burden means anything excess, anything large, something that normal life wouldn't bring about. But the word load, in, in-, in the Greek here, this is where we actually get the word portion. That, that th- this is your portion to carry. And-, and so a burden is like a piece of furniture, something that's too big to carry on your own. But your load, well, that's your Backpack. I mean that's your backpack that you carry with you every day. That that's what you're supposed to to carry and and you got a lot of things in your backpack, like your attitude and your feelings and, and your behaviors and your mortgage and your electricity bill. and and putting food on the table for you to eat. No one can do that for you. That's for you to carry. I shouldn't ask you to carry my load, and you shouldn't ask me to carry your load. There's a boundary that needs to exist between what is mine to carry and what is yours to carry and and what is mine to carry and what the burden is that has popped up in my life that that I might need help to carry. We are responsible to help carry each other's burdens and, and responsible for carrying our own load. And if you have a relationship that is characterized by bad blood and and you're trying to do all that you can do, you're trying to reach out and just and and reconcile, you're doing everything that you know to do. You just feel like you continue to give and can and give and give and continue to reach out and reach out and reach out. And in doing so, you're carrying your own load. And now that person that you're trying to reconcile with is asking you to carry their own load, too. Can I just tell you, that's not going to end in a good way. That will not make things better. I know it often feels like when you pick up somebody else's load, it feels like you're helping them. But I'm just telling you, it will not make things better. In fact, it will only make things worse. Why? Because when we feel responsible for carrying one another's load, we rob them of experiencing the outcomes of their decisions. When I try to hand you my load, when I try to hand you my load that is my responsibility to carry, I miss out on what it feels like to carry my load. And, and that's a positive thing. And now some of you think that, that doesn't sound like a positive thing, but I'm telling you, it's a positive thing. You remember the first time you moved out of your parents' house and you paid your first rent? And you're like, it was a f- sense of accomplishment that you felt. like you had. Or when you paid your car off, that, that, that sense of re- responsibility and accomplishment that you felt w- when, when you achieved that? Yeah, that's a positive thing. And and there's something positive that happens inside of every person when they carry their own load. It's the outcome of their decision. And vice versa. When when you don't carry your load, when you choose to lay down your load and and let somebody else carry it, what happens to you? When you choose to lay down your load, what happens? Well, you might get evicted. The the nice people from from a group called the collection company will send you a letter and say, hey, just a heads up. We're about to shut your power off because it seems like you don't want it anymore because you're not paying the bill, right? That's, that's what happens when you take your load and, and you lay it down. I, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'm going to tell you, I think it's, it's hard, but it's a good thing because it's an outcome of the decision that you make. So, sometimes in relationships that are characterized by, by bad blood, it is extremely important to draw a line between what depends on me and what depends on you? There's an illustration in the book, Boundaries, by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And this book is, it, it's, it's seminal work on, on this whole idea of just boundaries that people need to have in their lives. And so if, and so if you've never read it, you've never seen it, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can probably pick it up at any Christian bookstore, too. I, I would encourage you to check it out. But, but in this book, there's an illustration that Dr. Cloud talks about where one neighbor, uh, where you've, you've got two neighbors. And they've got two yards, and one neighbor's a yard guy. I mean, he, he's got a pristine lawn, it, it's, it's lush, it's green, it's the kind of grass that you don't actually walk on, you just, you, you, you walk around, and you know, you, that's, it, it's, it's pristine. But his neighbor, the guy next to him, he's not so much a yard guy, and so his yard is actually brown grass in his yard is turned brown and and so the 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 lawn guy he gets frustrated with his neighbor because hey I I take care of my lawn I water my grass my grass is pristine and so you should do the same thing right my grass is green I water it every every two days you know you should do the same thing but the other guy doesn't and so the other guy just he, he just lets his grass die he lets it turn brown and he doesn't care and so the neighbor with the, with the good grass, he takes his sprinkler system and he actually, he changes the settings on it so that it will actually sprinkle, that it will rain into his neighbor's yard. What happens when you do that? Well, the neighbor's yard is going to turn green. It's going to become vibrant. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be revitalized. But my yard is going to turn brown. And see, that's that's the problem with what happens when, when you when you try to carry somebody else's load all the time for them. What happens is, is that you allow them to be irresponsible and happy. And that's not a that's not a healthy combination. Meanwhile, you're trying to be responsible and you're miserable. And that's not a good healthy combination either. And in fact, we, we think that we're, we're helping them. But but I'm just telling you, if you let them experience the consequences for not carrying their load. And look, I get it. It doesn't seem or feel like the Christian thing to do. It doesn't seem loving or the or maybe the Christ thing to do. You know, sometimes as Christians, we feel this need to suffer in relationships. And I don't know why, but, but we just do. We 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 feel like we got to suffer through these relationships. It's like, shouldn't we continue to show mercy and continue to show grace and continue to forgive? Yeah, of course we should. However, unconditional love necessitates conditional assistance at times. Sometimes you gotta, you, you got to draw a line. You've got you to draw a boundary that says, hey, I can't help you every time. You're going to have to start carrying your own load. The, and, and, and when you carry your own load, there's going to be some positive things that come from this. Look, and one of, the, one of the reasons this is so important is that unconditional love, this idea that it necessitates conditional assistance, one of the reasons that's so important is because, number one, I don't have unlimited resources to, to help, right? I don't have unlimited ability to assist, and, and you probably don't either. That's why if, 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 if you're someone with, with lots of means and lots of resources, this can, be, this can be kind of difficult. This really can, because it doesn't feel very loving sometimes to offer conditional assistance. Maybe that's why one of the great theologians of the 90s, Biggie Smalls, he said, Mo' money, more problems, right? Look, if you're a person who doesn't have many resources, then this isn't a problem. Look, I'd love to help you, but I, I really would. I'd love to help you, but I can't. I, I, just, I just don't have the resources to help. End of discussion. It doesn't feel very loving to conditionally assist someone. But it's actually maybe the most loving thing that you could do. To say, you know what? I'm going to draw a line here. I'm going to draw a line. I'm going to establish a boundary, and that's yours to carry. And if you don't carry your load... If you don't carry your load, I hate it. But you're going to experience the consequences of not carrying your load. One of the best words that, when it comes to establishing boundaries is the word no. Especially when it comes to someone who, you know, who continually wants to borrow money from you or, or live in your house. Someone who, who feels like they can control you through manipulation and guilt. Someone who, who makes you feel like they're just taking advantage of you because, because they're asking you to carry the load that's been given to them. A great word is no. And it feels like that's not loving. It does. It feels like that's not loving, but it's actually maybe the most loving thing that you could do. Because love, you can love even from a distance. That's the power of love. That, that's the power of love. And, and I'm not giving in. And because I'm not giving in, it doesn't mean that I'm giving up. Sometimes it feels like that. If if I don't give in, well, then I'm just giving up on the relationship. And that's not the case. Not giving in is not the same as giving up. And maybe there have been people in your life that have even tried that with you. You know, you're just giving up on me. You know, you call yourself a Christian. How could you you do that? We're, We're family. Are you serious? But the truth is, is not giving in is not giving up. See, God has yet to give up on me. God has never given up on me in his relationship with me. And the same thing is true about you. God God will never give give up on you. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't establish a boundary and say, you know what, I'm not going to give in. And I'm never going to give up. I'm always going to have hope that things can be better. I'm always going to have hope that things can change. I'm always going to believe that that change is possible. But I'm going to establish a boundary that says I'm not going to give in here. If you've ever been in a relationship with someone where it feels like you care more about their life than they do, that's a really tough place to be. It is. It's a really tough place to be, which is why I hope that you'll choose to set a boundary. To say, hey, hey, that's a couch. That, that's a burden. And I will help you carry that. I will help you carry that. I will, I will walk alongside of you, and I will shoulder the load with you. But this, well, this feels like a backpack. This feels like a backpack, and, and you need to be responsible for carrying your own load. I'm, I'm going to set a boundary and I'm not giving in this time. I think boundaries should always have a time limit to, you know, at the very least, just to reevaluate for the next six months. I'm going to do this for the next year. I'm going to do this. Um, and I think that when we set a boundary, it's, it's really crucial to stay, stay open to whatever God uh, has in store, whatever the future holds, to understand that a boundary is not a barrier. OK, a boundary is not a barrier. It's not the Great Wall of China. OK, a boundary is, is a fence. It's a, it's a fence with a gate in the middle with a handle on my side of it because the boundary is for me. That when you set a boundary, that boundary is for you. It's not for the other person, okay? So, so I hope that you will establish a boundary and then I hope that you'll be accountable to someone, that, that you would make yourself available to someone in your life who would say, hey, remember, remember that, that time you had that conversation and you said this is where the line's going to be? Remember, we talked about this six months ago, and, and you said you weren't going to do this. So what has changed? What's changed in the relationship that makes you want to you know, give up on that boundary now? Look, in this series, I, I recognize that these bad blood relationships are, are, are the most emotional parts of us, especially when it's about relationships with people that are the closest to us. So if you've lost hope or if, if you're even not sure whatever to do, I'm so grateful that the Apostle Paul said, if it is possible, if it is possible, meaning that it might be, as far as it depends on me, that you'd go as far as you can go, that you would do everything that you know to do, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Because it's better for you. That's why we've said over and over and over again in this series that you can have peace about the relationship, even if there's never peace in the relationship you can have peace about the relationship without peace in the relationship and I realize that this series is action-oriented all right so if you don't do anything with this the things that we've talked about over the last four weeks if I don't do anything with it then it's really not been all that helpful has it and so I'm hoping that as a result of this series that that you will make the, the the long walk around like we talked about in week one that you will you will make the long walk around and you'll choose to be empathetic that, that maybe you'll choose to drop the demand for repayment and, and, and choose to forgive. That, that you'll release the prisoner realizing that you are the prisoner. And, and that you would just choose to forgive. That maybe you would choose to go and have a conversation and you would repent and say, you know what, I, I, I did this and I shouldn't have. I, I did it and I shouldn't have, but I'm making, I'm making a plan to never do it again. And that you would say, you know what, I'm going to do all that, all that I can. Everything that depends on me, but I'm going to set a boundary. And I'm gonna I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna set a but I'm gonna set a boundary because I love you. And I'm not gonna rob you of of the of the of experiencing the outcome of your decisions. Because the truth is, the truth is, is you will never passively find what you're not actively looking for. right, You will never passively find what you are not actively looking for. God wants peace for you. His son, who he sent. To, to, to earth, to make peace with us. His, his, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. God wants peace for us. And you will never passively find peace. You won't. You will never passively find peace. peace must be pursued. Which means that you and I must be people that go. Who will take some steps toward finding peace. Even with people that we have relationships with that are characterized by bad blood. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me pray for us.